بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ چنائی از دا فرسٹ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر It's already the 11th night of the blessed month of Rajab. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us in our months of Rajab and Sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. And we moved on to the 44th night that we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And I started the report yesterday in which Sayyidina Anas mentioned that he witnessed three amazing things. And I mentioned yesterday the amazing scene where a youngster came back to life due to the dua of his mother. And that was in the lifetime of the Prophet So the report continues. In Abu Ya'la in his Musnad number 5491, Behaki in his Delay al-Nubu'a number 416, Ibn Abi Dunya, Abu Nu'aym and his Delay al-Nubu'ah, page 224, Al-Bidaya, volume 6, page 155, page 292, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 523-4, page 533, page 542-3 of the New English Translation. So Anas radiyallahu, he said, The second amazing event is when Umar radiyallahu prepared an army and made Al-Ala ibn Hadrami in charge of it. So like I mentioned, we're now into the Khilafat of Abu Bakr radiyallahu. And here he mentions that Umar prepared the army. And the one who was put in charge was a companion called Al-Ala ibn Hadrami. But in another report, it mentions Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiyallahu dispatched Sayyidina Ala ibn Hadrami radiyallahu to fight the apostates in Bahrain. This is in Tabri in his Tariqh, volume 2, page 522. Al-Bidaya, volume 6, page 328. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 544 of the New English Translation. So there seems to be a contradiction. Was it Umar who prepared the army? Or was Abu Bakr the one? And the response is, Umar was preparing the army, meaning he was helping to prepare it. But the one who actually dispatched it was Abu Bakr, because it was his khilafat. And the one in charge is a companion called Al-Ala ibn Hadrami, radiyallahu Another report clarifies in Al-Bidaya, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had first sent Sayyidina Ala ibn Hadrami radiyallahu to the king of Bahrain, Mundir ibn Sawa Abdi rahmatullahi alayhi, and he had embraced Islam at his hands. However, Mundir passed away shortly after the Prophet's passing sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Mundir rahmatullahi alayhi passed away, the people of Bahrain apostatized. So this adds details. So why are they being sent to the Bahrain? Because the king who had embraced Islam suddenly passed away and the people reverted. Another report also adds, in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 522, Al-Bidaya, volume 6, page 328, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 544 of the New English Translation. When Sayyidina Al-Alah, radiyallahu, was near Bahrain, Sayyidina Thumama ibn Uthal radiyallahu and many of his men came to him with a large number of other neighboring chiefs. 
they agreed to halt at a place, but hardly had they alighted than their camels bolted together with all their provision and belongings, leaving them only with their garments. It was night time, they could do nothing except grieve and worry. It reached a stage where each of them began to dictate his will to the other. So, stopping the report. So, other uh, Muslim units came to join Sayyidina Allah and as fate would have it, for some reason or the other, the transport bolted and they were left in the wilderness with nothing except the garments on their backs. And they started writing their wills indicating they were thinking, look, we may even perish. Sayyidina Allah then brought them closer and encouraged them, assuring them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not forsake them. After Salat al-Fajr, he supplicated, and they too supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, raising their hands. The sun rose and they supplicated a second and a third time. Suddenly, subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created by their sight a mighty spring. Sayyidina Allah radiyallahu and the others then came to it and drank the water and bathed themselves. Then before the day had not even progressed much, their camels returned to them from all sides with whatever was laden upon them. Nothing was found missing, not even a piece of thread. The animals also drank water to their fill. This was a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this expedition. So simply put, they were in dire straits. Sayyidina Allah made a dua. And the dua they made a few times until maybe the time of Ishraq after the Salat al-Fajr. And then Alhamdulillah, Allah ta'ala caused miraculously like Zamzam, a spring to emerge. So obviously, middle of the desert, essential, they drank, they thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then as the day progressed slightly, all of their transport came back. And there was absolutely nothing, not even a thread missing from the from the belongings, meaning obviously Allah ta'ala had sent it. So Anas, he said, I was in his army and we came to our camp and found that our people felt our arrival and had no water and the heat was intense. Thirst had exhausted us and our animals, this was on a Friday. Another report mentions, so this is recorded in Bukhari in his Tariq, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 544, the New English Translation. When we reached the place where we were to engage the enemy, we discovered that they had been forewarned about our arrival. They had fled the area and also obliterated every sign of water due to which our animals experienced tremendous difficulty. So they were preparing to fight the apostates, but for want of a better word, somebody had you know, informed the unbelievers and they left, but they got rid of all the water supply. When the sun was about to pass the meridian, he prayed two rakats. He stretched his hands in supplication towards the sky and we could not see anything in the sky. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before he dropped his hands, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a wind and formed a cloud and it rained until it filled the water passages. 
we drank and gave water to our animals and carried some with us. So this was another miracle. So they're traveling again in the desert. All the water supplies been, uh, you know, dismantled by the unbelievers. He makes a dua and Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala causes the rain to flow and he starts to channel. Thirdly, when we approached our enemy, who passed a gulf in the sea to an island, Allah stood on the gulf and he said, Ya Aliyu, Ya Azimu, Ya Halimu, Ya Karim, O the lofty one, O the immense, O the forbearing, O the noble. Then he said, Now cross over in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's happened? So they've got to a place and the enemy's gone over the sea and there's no transport to get across. <laughs> so Allah did something, again, he must have been so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He takes the four great names. He goes, now we're going to cross. Another report mentions he made the following dua. Ya Alimu, all the most knowing, all the most forbearing, all the lofty, all the immense. We are your servants. We are out in your path fighting your enemy. Shower rains upon us so that we may drink from it, make wudu with it. Then when we leave, do not grant anyone else a share of it. In another report, he added, Forge for us a path to get to your enemy. This is in Al-Bidayah, volume 6, page 155. Ayat al volume 5, page 544, the New English translation. So he's making a dua. And he's asking Allah the Almighty to create some sort of a channel to get to the enemy. Anas then said, Subhanallah, we thus traversed the water and it did not moisten even the hooves of our riding animals. And in a short time, we thus attacked the enemy, killed, captured and subdued them. So they basically rode over the sea. right? So he goes, let's go. And Anas said, he goes, I'm telling you, but because you know, obviously hearing is not like seeing. He goes, the water, he goes, didn't even wet the hooves of the of our transport. We got to the enemy, we defeated them. Another report adds, the distance they covered would have taken an entire day and night by ship. This is in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 526, Al volume 6, page 329, Ayada Sahaba, volume 5, page 545 of the New English Translation. So don't get this impression that it was a short trek on the horses. He goes, it would take a ship an entire day and night to travel the distance. So you can hazard a guess. They were probably traveling for miles on the surface of the water. So they probably couldn't even see the enemy. But by the time they got there, the enemies must have thought, what on earth is happening here? Then we returned. And the water did not once again even moisten the hooves of our riding animals. So they traversed back on top of the water, back to where they came from. Another report adds, all this transpired within the space of a single day. This is in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 526. Al-Bidayah, volume 6, page 329. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 545 of the New English Translation. So because all of these miraculous events, the rain coming down, and we're traveling over the surface of the water and we're coming back. It happened within a day. <laughs> Another report adds in Tabari in Istariq 3 12 Al Bidayah 
Al-Allah radiyallahu then divided the spoils. The horsemen got 2,000 dirhams each and the footmen got 1,000 each in spite of the large number of the army. So the spoils of war was divided. So now the question is, normally the one on horseback gets more. But logically you're thinking, well, this was a miracle. So you would have expected the foot soldiers to say, well, hang on a minute. He goes, horses don't go over water. We walked over the water, so we should also be getting equal amount. But the Shadiyat stipulates that the one on a horse gets double. So the spoils was given 2,000 for the horsemen, 1,000 for the footmen. Allah, he then rode back to Abu Bakr, and he in turn expressed gratitude to him for the effort. So what's shocking, Abu Bakr's response. You'd expect you know, him to say, Subhanallah, he goes, horses going over water, Subhanallah, rain descending upon the waz. Abu Bakr's response was like, you know, just give a normal report. He goes, Alhamdulillah. Saif ibn Umar Tamimi added, Rahmatullah I was amongst the Muslims in this expedition. A monk of Hajr witnessed the miracle and embraced Islam promptly. So what the heck was the monk doing there? So obviously in the monastery somewhere and he's seeing this miracle. When asked about it, he said, I was afraid that if I did not embrace Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might have metamorphosized me because I have seen such a clear sign. He had also heard the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the atmosphere and realized that no people are helped by angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, unless they follow the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He became a good Muslim and the companions heard from him. So this is another report which adds details. So the monk embraced Islam and what caused his embracing Islam? He saw the miracles. But he added something. He said, I also heard vikr coming from the sky. And then I realized that how can these people be in the wrong when Allah's angels are helping them? So a monk, of, you know, he, and then he goes, if I didn't become Muslim, because I felt I would to be turned into a pig or a monkey, because I had no choice. The report continues. So that was the second miracle that Anas said I witnessed. Then he said, lastly, the third, a short time passed and Al-Allah passed away, radiyallahu. Those we dug for him, washed him and buried him. Upon which a man came after his burial and inquired, Who is this whom you buried? We responded, This is the best of mankind, Ibn al-Hadrami. The man thereupon said disapprovingly, This ground repels the dead. Thus you should take him to a land that accepts the dead. So what's happened? So after all of these amazing events took place, like I mentioned, death doesn't wait for any person. Allah's point of death arrived. So now, they, you know, they did their formalities. When they buried him, a man, he said, why have you buried him here? And they said, because this is the, the situation. Then look what the man said. He goes, this isn't a good place. He goes, it's going to be expelled. So he goes, take him out. We responded in affirmation. What is the reward of our companion? 
that we thus now leave him for the beast to devour if we leave him. So they discussed amongst themselves. He goes, this man is right. He goes, look, he's such a great companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He goes, if we leave him because his body may emerge and then the beasts are going to eat it because that's not respect. We thus gathered upon exhuming him, upon reaching the lahad. Subhanallah. We did not notice our companion within it. His body is not there. Then suddenly the lahad was filled with the glittering light as far as the eye can see. We thus returned the soil and left. Because nothing to worry about. And Anas goes, that was the third. So now, what on earth is happening here? So, a few things to point out. When people say, when did the companions cross the sea on horseback? They mistakenly mention that it was in Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas's time. That's not correct. That was the second. This was the first. It was Abu Bakr's Khalifa. Well, let me just add a few details that we can summarize. Another report mentions there was no lahad for his grave. For Abu Hurairah said, we dug a grave for him with our swords without making a lahad inside. After burying him and proceeding further, one of the companions said, we dug a grave without making a lahad within it. We then returned to make the lahad, but were unable to find the site of the grave. So this is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 4, page 360, Hayat al volume 5, page 534, the New English Translation. So there's a contradiction. The previous report is authentic. In Abu Ya'la, Behaqi, Ibn Abidunya, Abu Nu'im, Al-Bidaya, Hayat al they dug a lahat. And when they went back, the blessed body wasn't there. And then the nur filled the lahat. That's authentic. This report mentions that they did not dig a lahat. So they thought we need to dig a lahad for him. They went back and they couldn't find the location of the grave. This narration indicates that on their return they could not locate his grave. Abu Huraira added, Allah, When Allah Allah, who passed away, we buried him in soft sand, but we had not gone far when it occurred to us that wild animals would come and eat the body. We therefore returned but could not find him anyway. This is in Tabarani in his Sagheer, Tabarani in his Ausat and Kabir, Al-Haytami Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 376, comments upon the chain of narrators. Abu Nu'im in his Dalai al-Nubu'a, page 208, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 533 of the New English Translation. So now, either way, it was a miracle. But what seems more authentic is that they came back, the Lahad, he wasn't there. The other report says, they couldn't find the uh, the body on their return. So let's take a few lessons from these reports. The first, the raising of the dead youth by virtue of the mother's dua. This was the first miracle which he mentioned. That was in the time of the Prophet The second, miraculous spring emerges upon Sayyidina Allah's dua. So he made a dua and a spring emerged. So we shouldn't Obviously, think this to be something small because this happened to uh, Bibi Hajar and Ismail when they were left in Makkah and Allah caused Zamzam to speak. So a companion was also given this honor. Number three, the miraculous return of the Mujahid's camels and provisions 
upon Al-Ala's dua. So he made one dua, a spring image. He's made a second dua. All of their transport and provisions have come back intact. Number four. Rain descends upon a third dua of Al-Ala. So he made a dua, it rained again. Number five. The miraculous crossing over the surface of the water of the Mujahids after taking a few of the choicest names of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And like I mentioned, this miracle occurred two short years later in 16 AH. This time under the command of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, just prior to the fall of the Persian capital, Al-Madai. So the Sahaba are galloping over the surface of the waters. So again, the only way we can compare that is to Isa alayhi salatu when he walked on the surface of the water. But he was a prophet of God. The entire force goes over the water. Number six. Christian monk embraces Islam upon observing miracles and hearing the angelic assembly in the heavens. Number seven. The blessed grave of Sayyidina Allah, either filled with an incredible nur or not being able to be located once more. Either way, it's a miracle. Thus Allahu Akbar, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what this must have done to the already phenomenal iman of the gallant young Sayyidina Anas radiallahu at the time, who was mentioned, was a direct eyewitness to all of these truly miraculous events. Subhanallah. So think about it, when I'm narrating it, even narrating it is hard to register. You think it's subhanallah, these are reports, so they sound, we accept it. Or really, do you understand? We accept it. It's miraculous. What if you saw it? And look how quickly these miracles were happening. They were happening within a day. Why? Because the scholars point out most of the miracles occur on the battlefields. So because there's no jihad now, or very little, so where are you going to observe the miracles? Allah Ta'ala helps those who fight in His path. And the other thing which is truly said, most people never heard of the Sahab, Sayyidina Allah ibn al-Hadrad. He even mentioned that name, they'll say, is he, is he, did he embrace Islam late? And I'll mention that tomorrow. He's one of the most senior companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you have to be careful when pronouncing his name, is Allah. Don't say Allah. Right? You know, astaghfirullah. Right? So, Allah ibn al-Hadrad. And notice, every time he raised his hands, Allah was answering his du'as. And what's amazing is he passed away. After all of that, you think he's going to come back, you know, with a garland of roses and Allah Ta'ala takes him as if, you know, he's not wanting to stay any longer after the Prophet So why have I mentioned this here? Because who was within this blessed arm? Anas. And he goes, these were the three things I witnessed, which if they were in the Bani Israel, the nations would not have shared with them their virtue. He goes, subhanAllah. Now what's shocking is, hasn't he seen enough miracles? We discussed the miracles he observed in the time of the Prophet in his dwelling with his mother, with his stepfather, on the battlefield, here, there, everywhere. And now the Prophet's left the world. It's like, well, he's just continuing. As it is, the miracles just continue going over the surface of the water. Now, the last thing I want to mention, in Ibn Asakir and Kanzul Umar, Al-Ala Ibn Al-Hadrabi radiyallahu, our beloved messenger told him, sallallahu alayhi wa Look after Abu Huraira. Because Abu Huraira was in this army as well. So Allah ibn al-Hadrami was told by the Prophet, he goes, 
look after him. <laughs> so notice there were great companions in this army, but who was the Amir? It wasn't Abu Huraira, it wasn't Anas, it was Allah ibn al-Hadrah. So all I mentioned today was the miraculous incidents which Anas said that it was true honor to witness and it was with regards to the campaign to uh, against the people of Bahrain and the miracles which he mentioned are truly you know mind-boggling so are there any questions you'll have to ask Subhanallah <laughs> <laughs>